You are listening to Bear in Mind, the University of Northern Colorado's official podcast. Join us each episode as we listen to the voices from UNC faculty, staff, students, and alumni as they offer insights of local or national importance. This is your host, Dan N. Cox, bringing you just a taste of UNC. On this episode of Bear in Mind, UNC's content producer, Katie Corder, sits down with Dr. Chelsea Romulo and discusses investments for watershed services. I'll let Katie and Dr. Romulo take it from here. So just to start things off, can you describe your published research? This paper that we just published was the culmination of a very large interdisciplinary project looking at programs called Payments for Watershed Services or Investments in Watershed Services that link cities to rural watersheds and try to distribute funds from those cities to promote good watershed maintenance. The idea being that if people who are drinking water in a city want to have clean water, then the best thing to do would be to actually pay for the people living in watersheds to do things like maintain riparian buffers um, and have a clean watershed. So I've never heard of that. It's <laughs> IWS, right? That yeah. They're sometimes called investment in watershed services, payments for watershed services, or water funds. In our paper, we use the term investments because sometimes those investments are not monetary. A really good example is New York City. They have one of these programs where they actually have an outreach program. So people who are paid by the city go out and they work with farmers on how to maintain their properties so that there's not non-point source pollution or runoff into the streams. And so investments we felt like encompassed a broader range of programs that fit this need. So the whole talk about farmers, so it comes from the rural areas over to more urbanized areas, correct? couple of reasons why we are interested in this work is that by 2060 about two-thirds of the world's population are going to be living in cities and so this is a big change from even just a hundred years ago when most people lived close to their resources so now we have to transport things like food water and energy to where the people are living and so we want to make better connections between the people who are using resources and the people in communities that live in the places where those resources are produced Another reason why we are interested in this project is that the Nature Conservancy, which is a global non-governmental or NGO organization uh, and nonprofit, has been working as an intermediary to help set up these programs. So they facilitate the discussions between cities and, and urban communities. And so in their work, they started collecting a lot of data regarding what could be important for where these programs can be established or be successful, but they didn't know what to do with all of that data and it was getting kind of overwhelming and this is a broader question in the scientific community regarding the idea of big data there's just so much data out there but not all of that data is important and not all of it is relatively important when you consider all of the available data and so we're, we've been we're actually working with TNC the Nature Conservancy in order to figure out you know how they can use this data effectively to be better targeted and where they try to establish these programs. I've heard big data is a huge <laughs> issue and it can be crazy overwhelming with the information overload. So how have you and your team been going through that data? 
what we started with was just looking into the theoretical literature and the case study literature. And so um, there are a lot of theories about what could be important for the establishment of one of these programs. And so we want to start with what the theorists say is important. Uh, we collected data for as much of those different things as we could, which ended up being 70-something variables that through a, d a few different statistical analyses, we whittled down into just 17 that we compared. The process that we use is a type of machine learning process. And so we uh, put all the data together and we basically tell an algorithm to start dividing the data based on different variables. And so given the variables that are being tested, which ones are more important relative to the other variables. And so the output is given a bunch of different segments of data and a bunch of different groupings of variables, these are the things that tend to be more correlated with the presence or absence of a Payments for Watershed Services program. Could you give an example of the variables that uh, yeah, work and with or found? One of the first things that, that we put together was this giant map of where programs currently exist. And if you're looking at our paper, that would be figure two. In that figure two, you can see that there's definitely parts of the world where those programs are more common and other parts of the world where they are less common and some parts of the world that don't have any of these programs at all. And so that was really interesting to look at. Once we had that database put together, then we could start looking at the theoretical literature and the case study literature to aggregate our um, different variables. Some of the variables that we considered were things like how big is the watershed, how far is it from the city. One thing that was interesting when we were going through all the literature is that we would find some papers that said things like, if you have too many people, then that would be a barrier. And then another piece of literature said, if you had too few people, then that would be a barrier. And so for some of these variables, it looks like there might be an optimal size or maybe a threshold that would be important in establishing one of these programs. And so, so we wanted to investigate that a little bit further. So you say these things are picking up speed and everything like that. Where are they most popular? Are they most popular in America? And if so, do you think this is going to become a commonality around society as years go by. One of the things that we found is that these programs are much more common when a large portion of the watershed is being used for agriculture. And that makes sense because in places that have agriculture, there is concern about things like runoff and how the land is being maintained. And so there's potential in those locations to do one of these programs and improve the watershed. These programs are less common when the watershed is already protected. And that makes sense because if your watershed is already a national park or there's some watersheds in the Pacific Northwest that are owned by the water utility companies and so they maintain and preserve the environment. As we're looking at how drinking water is being used, it's also dependent on where your drinking water comes from. So if your drinking water comes from an aquifer or like in India, there's a couple large cities that use desalination, there's no watershed <laughs> associated and so the program less likely there. We also found that the program, uh, these programs tend to be in places with certain types of elevation and in places where countries are investing in conservation. And so what we've done with our findings is given it to the Nature Conservancy so they can look at these things like, okay, since we know that these programs are more likely to be located in a place where the watershed is largely in agriculture, they can look at different watersheds in the world and say, okay, where are our watersheds that have a lot of agriculture but they don't have a program? Then we can say, okay, do they have a different program 
to maintain their watershed. And if they don't, Matt would be a good candidate. That's a place where TNC can come in and say, hey, we can function as a mediator and a connector between your urban drinking water users and your rural suppliers of water. So it's almost like using natural resources and keeping them up to grade in order to make the resources we need to live being present, being maintained and everything like that. So it's using natural resources for our own benefit. Absolutely. And that's exactly what these programs are trying to do. So the term for the things that nature does for us is ecosystem services. So the beneficial things that nature just does on its own, like cleaning water, like cleaning air. And so the idea is that the more that we can promote and maintain and maybe even restore the ability of nature to do these things, then we don't have to do them artificially. So let's say your average citizen living in a city learns about this. Why should he or she care? The so what question is really critical and there's two responses to the so what question. The first is that I hope that everybody is concerned about access to clean drinking water. And so these programs are established specifically to provide people, especially those people living in urban areas, with clean drinking water. I mentioned before that over two-thirds of the world's population is going to be living in a city in not very many years. And so we need to have systems in place that are able to provide cities with clean drinking water and do it in a sustainable method. And so there's that aspect. The other aspect is the applicability of what we're doing for the Nature Conservancy. And so the Nature Conservancy, before our project came along, was using a lot of data to try to figure out where are those places that are likely to have a project be successful. The first step in understanding where a project might be successful is to establish what are the commonalities between the locations that already have these projects. And so we've done that first step. And so we've provided them with a way to look at the data that they were already collecting in a more efficient way. And so hopefully this is, allows them to have targeted work so that they're only working in places that are likely to have a program or likely to commit to a program. That means that for a nonprofit that people are donating money to, they're more efficient with their money. Can you describe future steps or future research, be it involving this topic or another topic? Um, you'll see that the distribution of cities with these programs uh, is, is not equal around the world. There are large cities all over the world and in some places like North America and even South America, the percentage of those large cities that have one of these programs is higher than a lot of other places. Australia doesn't have any, most of Africa doesn't have any except for um, the eastern coast and sub-Saharan Africa. India has a ton of large cities but very few programs. China actually has a lot of these payments for watershed services programs and so for next steps we really want to get into that more regional level information and see why is it that some places are more likely to have them uh, compared to other places what are they doing to listen to the entire podcast as well as visuals and links go to unc news central at unco.edu forward slash news